Yes, people, it's first day, which means we're stepping into the echo chamber, people, and we've got a whoa, uh, definitely a, a crazy selection of films this week. But before we get into all of those, let's take a look at the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, Walter Dome comes in at number 10 with Trolls World Tour. So, we got a voice cast of Rachel Bloom, Jamie Dorham, Anna Kendrick, and Chance the Rapper. At number 9, people, it is The Witches, right? This is from Robert Zemakis, and we got Anna Hathaway. Octavia Spencer in the first, well, in a film in the top 10, uh, Christina Chensworth and Jazia Bruno. At number eight, it's, uh, it's the Harry Potter collection. At number seven, people, Tony Savone comes in with a scoop. So we got Frank Welker, Zach Efron, Will Forte, and Amanda Seyfried. So at number six, hey, it's that Philosopher Stone. So Christopher Columbus, was this, this was the first one, right? The first Harry Potter film. Um, so Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, Robert Grint. No, Rupert Grint even And Robbie Coltrane So we're in the top 5 And we've got Spider-Man Far From Home John Watts doing his thing With Tom Holland, Zeander, Jake Gyllenhaal And Jacob Balchon at number four, it's more comic book action as Todd Phillips. He uh, kicks the door down with the Joker. So we've got uh, Zazie Beats. We've got Joaquin Phoenix. We've got Robert De Niro. You know what I mean? This was, oh, a lot of fun, people. And Francis Conroy. The great, late Francis Conroy. So, at number three, a film which, ah, so good, so good. Pete Doctor and Kemp Powers, man, they killed it with soul. So, we had Jamie Foxx, Tina Fey, David Diggs and Rachel House, amongst other crazy talented people involved with this film. A uh, definitely a Disney Pixar classic. At number two is Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Michael Doherty. He directed with Millie Bobby Brown, Carl Chandler, Vera Farmiga, and Ken Watanabe. Starring in the piece. So at number one this week, people, 
Patty Jenkins. It's the sequel, Wonder Woman 1984. Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Chris Pine, and Pedro Pascal. All getting crazy. So, people, that is our 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, before we get into this week's films, and we've got some films for you people, let's get a little bit of news. Okay, Shudder fans, May is looking like it is going to be another great month from the premier horror streaming platform. Some of the highlight films coming, well, it all starts on the 7th of May with Fried Barry. So this is a first directorial film from Ryan Kruger, who's, um, you know, an award-winning music video director. And it's starring Gary Green. Okay, so uh, basically, it follows the story of a drug-addled degenerate who, after yet another bender, gets abducted by aliens. Barry takes a backseat as his alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex and violence as Barry's alien Taurus enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Dum, dum, dum. Alright, so we also have the following week on the 13th of May, The Reckoning. Okay, so um, this is from Neil Marshall. Now, everyone knows Neil Marshall. He's produced some, yeah, outstanding films and also directed a lot of Game of Thrones episodes, right? So um, it's written by Marshall as well and starring Charlotte Kirk, Edward Evers Swindle. So the film... um, Is this, right? After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft. Forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Then, on the 20th of May, we've got P.G. Psycho Gorman. Okay, so um, this film is about young siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil creature Psycho Gorman. 
PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attentions of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converges in small-town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. This is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, and it stars Anita Jose Hanna, Owen Amiri, Adam Brooks, Alexis Hansi, and Matthew Ninaber. Um, the last film debuting. Um, Shudder original, that is, is Skull the Mask. Right, so um, this is written and directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman. Right, and um, it's starring Rurik Jr., who's um, a Brazilian champion wrestler. Wilton Andrade, Natalia Rodriguez, Ivo Muller, Ricardo Gelli, Guta Ruiz, Gilda Nanotz, and Tristan Aronovic. And, um, yeah, in the splatterfield supernatural slasher, a pre Columbian artifact contains the spirit of. And Hanaga, the executioner of the god Takawantaspa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. It's some classic 80s slasher throwback action for you people. And um, yeah, every Friday of May, you will be getting new episodes of The Last Drive-In with Bob Joe Bob Briggs. So there is that as well, people. I mean, hey, if, um, you know, that doesn't tell you... I don't know what will, you know, there's also going to be, you know, some new additions to the Shudder classic movie library, so the 1973 Wicker Man, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, the 99 version of House of Haunted Film, the 1960s 13 Ghosts, you know, that's just to name a few, so people, if you do not have Shudder, how do you call yourself a horror fan? Okay, people. So, now we've got all of that out of the way. Let's get into this week's films. We got some good ones, people. So, sit down and let's go. So, Monday the 19th of April marks the last of Saint and Sinner's 
April offerings. Right, so this is the third film they're releasing in a month. Okay, and it is Righteous Villains. So, um, yeah, people, like with, uh, you know, the previous um, two films, this one, once again, is... Uh, it's directed by... Uh, Savius D. Michael. Okay. So. There's a lot of people involved. Producing is um, Aaron Suleiman, uh, Gustavo uh, Respero, and John Pavalakis. Cinematography is Andreas Neo. Editing is Shirag Patel. Casting, Helen Stafford Costume design, Holly Caesar And, um, yeah, cast We have got uh, Gary Durden as Mickey Monroe We've got Louise Brabin Platt as Jolie The love of his life we have uh, Jamie Crew as Jeremiah. Uh, we got and Alexander Garcia as Felix. Kevin Cornway as Andrestoso. Sophie Paris as Tina. Gianni Caletti as Sebastian. Adam Deacon as Satan. Stephen Brand as Francis, and Stephen Burkoff as grandfather. That's Jeremiah's grandfather. Okay, so they're probably uh, you know our main, our main peoples up in the piece, right? I would say. Um, <clears throat> now the gist of the story is this. Okay. So, a young con man with nothing left to lose and desperate for his next money-making scheme receives a mysterious invite to join the New World Order, a secret society of powerful individuals that supposedly control every aspect of the world. The further he becomes entangled, he realises the sinister motivations of the society are um, <clears throat> born from sorcery and black magic. But when you're in so deep, it's not always easy to find a way out. Hmm. Yeah. That's um, kind of it, I guess. Right, so uh, we open up. <laughs> we open up with a quote. It's not the most profound quote, right? It's not the most profound quote, people. Every man is said to have a little bit of the devil in his heart, but some more than most. Then we had righteous villains across our screen. Oh dear, oh dear. Right? I think that 
kind of sums everything up. You know, that we get ideas that we've seen, we get concepts that we have seen before, and it's just kind of regurgitated to us, but in its simplest form, you know, which is unfortunate. Because I think poster-wise, you get the um, impression that this is going to be something big, bold and spectacular. You know, you really think that, yeah, there's going to be this interesting tale of um, good and evil. But it's... It's not really. Like, you, you start off with some guys in terrible red suits dragging someone along and basically just killing him. Right? But it's just... Uh, it, it's the way it all unfolds. You know, the guy's like, oh, please don't kill me. Oh, God, please. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just all of this. And it's just... Like, it, it, it's not a great scene. Because it doesn't really set anything up. You know, you you see what they're trying to do with it. It just doesn't do it. Right? It, it doesn't do the job. It doesn't pull you in. It doesn't make you think, oh, my days, there's this conspiracy, right? There's this big thing. And, listen, right, the, the whole big thing is, like, the New World Order and, and all of that. It's, like, the concept of the New World Order is not new. <laughs> you know, it's an old thing. But at least when people kind of talk about that thing, they use... They don't just say, oh, it's a new world order, you know, because that is just an overarching concept. They give it better names. You know, QAnon is basically, you know, a, a, a look inside all of this, like the revolting against and everything, right? I mean, not saying it's true, but I'm saying as an idea. But they call it QAnon. You know what I mean? It, it, it's just like to just go... Oh, the New World Order wants you. It's just... It just feels lazy. You know? It just feels lazy that you didn't have the... You know, just... Mind to create something more. You know, you, you didn't have the forefront to be like, okay... As a story, let's build it around this, but let's, you know, we need more to draw people in. Yeah, we don't get that. You know, Jeremiah, he's part of the story. Like, you're meant to believe he's this real kind of, I mean, he's called the, the great deceiver. But the scheme we see him pulling. It's weak as hell. Like, it's a weak scheme, and it, it makes no sense. Because when you think about it, the noise he would be making, the person downstairs would hear, right? You're like, listen, you, you hear about people doing certain things, but they it's not as blatant and 
just rubbish as that. So just that in itself, you, you're not looking at this dude as being this mastermind. Oh my God, he just like, you know, he sold ice to an, you know, I mean, a penguin. Like, no. You're just thinking, what is this low-level bullshit? Right? And again, you get this supposed love story. Right, we're getting told that um, you know, Jolie, right, Jolie and Mickey, ah, oh, you know, star-crossed lovers and all of that. But that story again, it's is as something to draw you in. It doesn't. <laughs> you're just from the meeting in the dark to be like, oh my god, you're the most beautiful. She's like, you can hardly see it. She's in the dark. Firstly, let let's do that. Then, you know, being like, oh, oh, they called him Sinatra of the slums, you know, and it's just like, well, if you were, right, and there's other people that you would have used, I would say, you know, for Mickey, but anyway, it's just, for someone that is meant to be this great businessman. You know, this great dude on the streets pushing weight and all of that. The whole setup is some lackadaisical, lazy, just laughable, laughable, friggin'. I mean, you don't, you wouldn't. It's a, there's, we're getting told it's a little pub, a little pub, so you would know all the clientele, so if two people you don't know are in, you ain't doing certain things, right, and then you're going to be ready, it's like, it just made no sense, if you're going to do these things, at least make them make sense, so we have all of this oddness, all of this ah, terrible story, but then we get the whole weird car park mm, breakers yard, maybe. Let's say breakers yard business, right? So we get all of that. But within these scenes, there's instructions. Because firstly, let's, let's you know before we get to the instructions, let's just say what we see. You're like what. What's the point? Right? It, it, it's just like... It made no sense. There's a lot in the film that seems to be there for some sort of shock value. But it's not even... It's not shock-worthy. Right? That, I think that's the thing about it. You can see, like, there's... On the island, the dude and the sheep. It's it's not shocking. It's just boring. It's way too way too long. It's way too long. And it doesn't make you feel anything in any direction, you know? So we have that scene. The naked people dancing around a fire. 
I'm like, it's a dark scene. And it goes on way too long. And you're just like, what, what is this meant to do? Like, what is this meant to do? You know, there's, there's all of these weird scenes. And it's just like, this doesn't need to be here. This is too long. Then walking along the beach. Again, it, it's a lot. We're seeing them from a distance. But it's too long. Right? It doesn't serve a purpose here. Right? So you, you have all of these odd scenes that aren't working. Like the breaker's yard. But they're not explained. Right? It's not explained why this is necessary. But anyway. So we have this. Now, they're given instructions. Right? Instructions of what to do. Which they don't follow. Right? It's... He will lead you to them once you get to the island. Which then never happens. Right? So just... From the giddy up, you would be like, um, wait, if if that isn't happening, we were told this was gonna go down, then surely you're on your guard. You'd be like, okay, we need to be careful because this has already gone off the rails. Right? So that's what you'd be thinking. But no one's thinking like that. You know, it, it's just suspect from the giddy. And everyone's just like, okay, we'll just follow you. So you're just rolling your eyes. Rolling the eyes. The dialogue is terrible. Dialogue is terrible. You know, nothing, nothing feels natural. Like, there's the conversation between, just Mickey and Jolie. That conversation is just the conversation between Jeremiah and the old woman, again, terrible, like, it's not convincing for him to get into the house, but it's there, <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just like, huh, what, just every single conversation, the devil stuff, just uh, everything, it's just, it doesn't flow, it's not natural. It feels like everyone is reading off of cue cards. All right, so you have that, but then I think you you when you look at this, right? It, you definitely think, wait, this was filmed at the same spot as original gangsters, right? It feels like a lot of the backdrops and sets from original gangsters and you know, Red Rage, that's what it, which is fine, but just make it look a little bit different, you know, so you have that, but then, you know, you've got the whole, the, like, the bit where, you know, Mickey meets Joe Lee, I'm like, the red lights in the wind, I mean, like, ah, uh, does it, does it really have to be that on the nose, Right, there, 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 there's nothing subtle or nuanced. Everything is just very heavy-handed here. Very heavy-handed. And then you've just got the music. 
Oh, the continuous music behind virtually every single scene. Every single scene. It's just a bit much. Just a bit much. Right? And as a story, it's it's very it's a weak story. It's a weak story that you know has so many holes in it. And then you get to the very end, right? You get to the very end. And if if someone isn't tied to a bed, if someone can move, you're like, how would that person be um by the other person? Like Wait, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So ah, I don't know people. This this was not a film for me, and I am glad it is the last of um, these three films. I, I I I can't go back to any more of these films. I'm I'm pretty much done. But hey, if you enjoyed original gangster. Right, if you enjoyed Red Rage, and there's a lot of people that did, which is awesome. You know what I mean? It's awesome, right? So, hey, if you loved those films, if they made you chuckle, if they kept your attention, then Righteous Villains is going to be, boom. It's your cup of tea, people. It is for you. So... It's out on Monday the 19th. Digital download or DVD. So you have your two options. People, go make that work for you. You know what I mean? Go make that work for you. Right? Now, if other people are looking for, I don't know, a more nuanced tale, then this isn't really gonna be for you. It's not really gonna be for you. I mean, the the plot of Nemesis that we looked at recently, that is Shakespeare compared to this, right? So, I think you got yeah. There's your litmus people. But listen, if you've if you're a fan of Savias D. Michael's work, then you know. Yeah, grab this, people, because it's along the same lines, you know. So it's going to speak to you. It's going to work. But, yeah, it is out on Monday. Righteous villains, people. Righteous villains. Louise Linton is, um, you know, she's putting her money where her mouth is. Right? She spent years behind the camera and she's decided to take her hand to, you know, producing, you know, creating. Right? So, Me, You, Madness is her directorial and writing debut. Aha. Now, she also um, produces the film along with Kristin Rulin. Um,. Max Arridge does the music. Reinhard Perschuk does the um, cinematography along with Boa Simon. It's edited by Samuel Means. 
And cast-wise, wow, people. We've got Linton herself playing the lead in Catherine Black. And Ed Westwick plays Tyler Jones. Right? They're our main two characters here. We've also got um, Yu Yan, who's played by Shua Chang. Um, we've got Chad, who is Tyler's associate, played by Tyler Barnes. Uh, Gwen Van Dam plays Catherine's grandma, Grandma Betty. So, yeah. They're our kind of our main people essentially in this, right? And um, the gist of the story is this a young thief cases an architectural dream house in Malibu, not realizing it is the home of an eccentric female serial killer, played by um, Louise Linton, who is Catherine Black. Uh, she runs a successful hedge fund in Los Angeles. She's also a fashion-obsessed serial killer with a penchant for champagne, cocaine, excessive exercise, sex, expensive shoes, and indescribable violence. On the weekend, she retreats from her penthouse office in a skyscraper downtown to a glass and steel architectural dream house in Malibu. On this particular weekend, she she lures a young thief to her home. After falling passionately in love with her, he discovers her true nature. Which throws a wrench into things. So, Catherine's life may change, or she has to decide, kill Tyler to keep a secret, or maybe try and start a new life. Dum, dum, dum. Now, the film, it opens... Essentially, like a lot of films do, you know, it's um, showing us the Catherine character. We spend about 10 minutes on the Catherine character, you know, we get, we start off, you know, with a, a zoom in shot to the office building where she runs her hedge fund. She's a CEO, started the business before she's 30. All of this. I have to say, when we do zoom in, it does look like it's got the um, <laughs> the Pepsi side on the side of the building. That's what it looks like. I might be wrong, but hey. But yeah, it, so they use all of these things, right? All of, the, all of these kind of devices that you can think of, um... And it's fine, right? A little played out, you know? Like, we have a a typical scene where someone makes a stupid comment in the boardroom and she shuts them down, you know? It's just a lot of that. Plus, you know, we, we have scenes of her... in a house, right? And you you see her shoe collection, her... 
her purse collection, her jewellery. She opens a drawer and there's stacks of money inside. Oh, but also a gun, for she's dangerous. <laughs> and over all of these scenes is narration. Narration from Linton, which, listen, is fine. We've kind of, you know, we've seen it before. You know, and there's a lot of films that start in a similar fashion. I think the um, the thing is, though, there is a, a big key to great narration. Now, listen, you, you have people like uh, Samuel Jackson, you know, Morgan Freeman, ah, who really just nail it, nail it. You know, you've got the guy that played, oh, Hellboy, whose name I cannot think of for the life of me. But, yeah, he does the UFC cold reads. They're great, right? But there's a pacing to it. You know, there's a way you hit certain words. You know, you really just make it electrifying. You make the thing you're talking about sound so interesting that people cannot but check it out. And I feel the problem with Linton, she she speeds through it all. You know, it's done really fast. And the tone is just a little bit whiny, which is... um. Yeah, it's a little irritating. You know, the narration does get a little irritating. So we we do this. And then after 10 minutes, we, we finally get to, like, the meat of things, right? Her, um, her whole thing with the house and all of that, right? So basically... She wants, you know, the pretense is she needs someone to house it for her. Which, I think, is kind of a thing. But it's still very suspect. Well, like, her huge-ass house. And you'd think, hmm, say what? You're, it, but it doesn't seem to bring up any alarms to Tyler. I think another problem, though, is... They do the very typical meeting without knowing that this is the person you're meeting. You have an argument, and then when you finally meet the person, it's like, oh, you're the person that we, you know. It's just, we've seen it so many times. It's not a new idea, you know. It's not new. It's, it's a little dull. It's a little dull. Now, I think one of the big things about this film is, like, it's jumping the fourth wall. The fourth wall? Yeah, I think that's the one, isn't it? Um, you know, a bit like we've seen in stuff like Deadpool and, you know, The Thick of It and countless other stuff. So, we get a lot of that. But it's like a lot of the the comments... The asides. It's all meant to be this smart little... Ha-ha. 
Yeah, like we know what we're doing here. Uh, yeah, we're we're playing this up because this is how people normally do things. But I would say this comes off as more of a scream free. You know, the first time it was it was clever, it was ingenious, but then it gets to a point where it's a bit like. Yeah, do do you have a point in this? It seems that you're just doing it for doing its sake, right? The little points that you're bringing out, it's just like, um, oh, I could kill someone with this, but how many films have they used a gun? And it was like, yeah, but guns are guns, right? That isn't the thing that makes those type of films, right? That's not... The, 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 you know, the big catch of a serial killer film, a gun. No, it's a device. Right? But, you know, it's making a big deal out of it. So there's a lot of that which, yeah, it doesn't necessarily make sense. Right? Doesn't necessarily make sense. And you kind of, you roll your eyes a little bit. Then it comes to... Just the script, right? The the conversations between our characters, it's not very good. It's not very realistic. Now, I understand, right? You could be going for that stylized approach. But even, you know, with that, it's still, you know, it doesn't work as well as... Films that you feel have have played with this concept, right? So, I think American Psycho, you know, that's a huge one. And I think that that was very clever in the way it played with a lot of stuff. You know, like, he sings to, um, play is Whitney Houston, right? And he's looking in the mirror at himself and talking to himself. And it's all of that, right? And it works, but here, you're you're just like um, you know, you have her dancing, but it's just like suddenly stop and turn and be like, oh, I like dancing to eighties music. I think the eighties was great, and you'd be like, we we didn't really need that, right? We didn't need that, and you're utilizing these camera angles, which. I think sometimes they work, but it, it it's going to the well one too many times, which ah, it becomes an issue, right? Becomes an issue. You're playing these scenes, and it's just like, you, this doesn't need to be here. You know, we're focused on this far too long. What what's happening? What's happening? You know, she's meant to be this. Great serial killer, you know, he's always ahead of everyone. But there's this scene in the parking lot which you're just like, Wait, what the fuck is that? Right? That makes no sense because there would be cameras, and even if there isn't cameras, someone would have walked out in the time it has taken you to do a thing because where you are. <laughs> you can't say you're the only person that 
is going to be using that, especially because there's all those cars, right? So it, it's it's a weird scene to add, and it's something that didn't need to be there, right? There's a there's just a lot of these scenes, and you're just like, why is that here? You know, there's a, like a scene of her in a shower, and um, she's kind of just losing it a bit. But it's, again, it's a weird scene, right? Because, obviously, they're trying not to show, you know, explicit nudity. So you're you're shooting from the back, but the camera's kind of zooming around. And so it's got her standing there or sitting down, but with her arm around, so it's covering up her breasts, which is... A completely unnatural pose for what she is doing. So it's just like, why? Right? The, the, you don't need the scene. The scene does nothing for the film. So it's just like, what was the point? Right? What was the point in doing this? And there, there does seem to be a lot of that. There's a lot you're like looking at and you're like, wait, what? What's the point here? You know, it's... She's utilising all of these bright colours. Loads of bright colours, loads of neon. You know, she... She's in this huge house. Loads of windows. You know, white furniture, carpet. All of that jazz. And Tyler's walking around in a white t-shirt. Doesn't get mucky. Right? doesn't get mucky, and you're just like, hold on, firstly, you've worn the same t-shirt for two days in a row, and there's no dirt, right, there's no dirt on it, it, it it's, it's an odd, odd film, now, Linton said about it, right, so this film is a very, self-aware, playful and colourful homage to the 80s and the films that inspired me such as Flashdance, Footloose and Dirty Dancing. It is glamorous and insomnately whipful in its decadent style and neon aesthetic. It is heavily driven with dance-along 80s hits, choreography fight sequences and beautiful locations my hope for this film is that it makes people laugh at a time when we could all use some more laughter in our lives so i mean listen the only real connection the film has to like flash dance footloose and dirty dancing is it want to use 80s music now, when she exercises, right, oh, I say, there's a bit where she's like, oh, when I exercise, I like to wear leggings, and do, you know, the, the warmer things, right, that's it, that's it, like, other than that, there's no connection to those films, it, it's a weird, it's weird, it's not funny, Right, you can see that it's trying to be humorous, but it's trying way, 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 way too hard, right? And I think that is the film's downfall. It's trying way too hard, right? Because 
you want to be funny. You want to show the serial killers. You want to be like, look, we're self-aware. You want to have this whole, you know, women's empowerment. So you have these fight scenes where she's standing toe-to-toe with Tyler. And they're punching each other. And it's just... What's happening here? Like, what's happening here? Like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Right, they, they they make them have a little bit of a bloody lip, right? They they put a little bit of bruising in a couple of places, but it says if you are hitting each other the way they're hitting each other, if you're smashing each other around the head with bats and like, there's gonna be a lot of bruising. There's gonna be cuts. We see none of that. Right, stabbing each other. There will be a lot of blood. It is baffling. It's baffling. And you've set the character up, right, to be this, you know, person that's driven by all of these different things. But then you play it like, oh, medication is going to change all of that, which is bizarre, like, it's bizarre, and the, the end credits, there's all these scenes in the end credits, which are just, why are they here, right, it, it, you're, you're just like, why are these here, I don't know, I don't know, ah, but, you know, it is what it is, now, I would say, right, if you're a fan of, I don't know, people, stuff like Gossip Girl and I think, you know, a, a lot of the older, you, you know, this new crop of films and TV shows that are out there, I mean, this could be for you, right? It could be for you. I mean, if you like the Last Oceans film or uh, that film, The Hustle, then this might speak to you, people. And um, yeah, if you know, if it does, then a hey, Monday the nineteenth, it is available on all your favorite digital platforms, so you can go check it out. Then you know what I mean. So um. Yeah, if you're into, I think, shiny, neony, weird stuff, the BU Madness, hey, it might be just a ticket, alright, so, you know, look at the trailer, there's a pre-order link for iTunes in there if you want to grab it, but yeah, it's out on Monday, okay? Me, you madness. When I saw Thunder Force advertised, I was definitely interested, right? Because Melissa McCarthy has done some just tremendous films, right? She's made some hilarious films. You know, I mean, there have been a few duds, but for the most part, she's solid. 
You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, it's always a promising thing. Add in Octavia Spencer, Bobby Cannavale, you know, Pom Clementeith, you know what I mean? From a Guardian's fame, Melissa Leo, Jason Bateman, Taylor Mosby. And it's written, directed by Ben Falcone, who's also, you know, done some great films. You know, so you just think, yeah, let me check this out. You know, it should definitely um, be interesting. You know, because, goddamn, to this day, Bridesmaid is just gold. And can you ever forgive me? I enjoyed that. It, it wasn't a bad film. Alright, so, um, yeah, this is written and directed by Ben Falcone. Uh, he produces it, along with um, McCarthy, Mark Platt, and Adam Siegel. Uh, the music is from Phil Isla. Cinematography is Barry Peterson. It's edited by Tian Nolan. And uh, it is starring uh, McCarthy as Lydia Berman, Vivian uh, Falcone as um, young Lydia. Oh, their daughter. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. I didn't know they had a daughter, but yeah, no, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You got... um, Mia Kaplan also plays a um a younger version of Lydia. You got Octavia Spencer as Emily Stanton. Um so Bria Daniel plays a um a younger Emily, and so does Tia LaShawn. You got Jason Bateman as Jerry, aka the crab. Bobby Cannavale as William Stevens, the king. Pom Clementif as a laser. Melissa Leo as Ali. Taylor Mosby as Tracy, Emily's daughter. We've got uh, Marcella Lowry as Grandma Norma. That is... Emily's grandma. Um, Falcone plays Kenny. Uh, we've got. I've, well, I think they're the they're our, our our main group of people. So the gist of the film is this: in a world terrorized by supervillains. One woman, scientist Emily Stanton, has developed a process to give superpowers to regular people. But when her estranged best friend Lydia accidentally imbues herself with incredible abilities, the two women must become the first superhero team. Now is it is up to Thunderforce to battle the superpowered miscreants and save Chicago from the clutches of the king. So, I mean, this is all the ingredients to be great, right? All the ingredients to be great, to be hilarious. 
And um, yeah, isn't because I think the bar is the the bar is a tricky one when it comes to superhero films, right? Because you know we've got all the great ones, right? Avengers Endgame. I mean, most Marvel stuff, right? Most Marvel stuff, people, you know. And then you've got um the other stuff, right? Which some of it works, some of it doesn't. You know, like we had uh Rain Johnson's um super, right? That was uh that was pretty good. You know? That was good. You also had Old Guard, you know, recently, which again very good. Right? That was um yeah, that was enjoyable. Then there are some duds, though. You know, like Hancock. I mean, Hancock wasn't great. It wasn't the best, really, was it? Ooh. You know, Max Steel. Like, there's some ropey, ropey stuff. You know, but then you get, you know, The Incredibles. So, you know, it, it's, it's a mixture. It's a mixture. And I feel the Thunder Force, it falls on the bad side. You know, you're hoping for um, at least something like We Could Be Heroes. The recent Robin, Robin, Robert Rodriguez film. Which, I mean, it was, I mean, it's a kid's film. So, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, I think the thing with um, Thunder Force is it just hit all the cliches. Right? It hit all the cliches without inserting its own magic into the mix. You know, so we open up with a um, an explosion. An explosion, you know, a comet hits and gives regular people superpowers. So, you know, general population all of a sudden develops superpowers, which is like, whoa, that's crazy, right? But problem with that is not everyone gets the powers, Right? Not everyone gets the powers. Only psychopaths. Only psychopaths seem to be the ones to get these powers. And uh, yeah, so they're bringing havoc to the world. And they have been given the name Miscreants, which. I mean, miscreant is already the name for, you know, a, a criminal. So it's a bit like, that's a little lame, you know? We also then have the classic one, Emily's parents, who are scientists. They get killed by a villain. There's one of these miscreants, which is, you know, all just... Generic superhero fare, right? There's nothing new here. 
And we get to see, you know, young Emily and Lydia, you know, they're, they're at school together and Lydia helps Emily out. And that kind of stuff isn't too bad. But it, 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 they fall out, right? Because it, it's always that thing where two friends and one of them's, you know, studious in their books. The other one's a bit like, hey, let's go party. And you know there's going to be a falling out, right? And the falling out oftentimes feels so forced, right? That they couldn't really think of a legitimate reason to split them up. So they create this weird friction, right? So they split up and someone says something ridiculous like, we'll never talk again. You know, so then they don't speak for years. And so, yeah, what's going to bring them back together? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. And that's what we get. Right? And I'm not really spoiling anything with all of that. But that's what we get. So now we're with them as adults. Emily's a famous CEO scientist. And Lydia... She works in, I don't know, I think it's like construction, something like that, right? But she's just not done anything, really. Not done much with her life. And we get those, you, you know, I mean, just the usual played out stereotypes. Like wearing old, dirty clothes, you know, you, we had the scene of her going to eat some cereal and the milk is off, right? How many times have we watched something and, so you know, the loser has some bad milk? But they're either like, oh, maybe it wasn't bad, I'll try it again. Or, they, oh, if I add this to it, that will make it... Like, we've seen this scene so many times. And... There's there's not even anything to give you a slight, just even a slight chuckle with it, you know? So we have that. There's the reunion plot thread, which is played on here. And then it's the classic one, right? Where she goes to visit em Emily and Emily's like, don't touch anything. And obviously she's going to touch stuff, which is why she gets some of the superpower stuff. None of that is spoilers, people. It's all in the text. You know what I mean? But it's the problem with all of it. It's, it's dull. Right? There's no spark to it, which is crazy. Like, you, you feel... This film is going to be all spark. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be great. But there's just no spark. Which is crazy. So then you have, you know, Lydia moves in to the, uh, to the lab. But she's got to do all of these superpower trials and what you're not. So we get these montages of her training... And, again, 
it's just stuff we've seen before, you know, like always hurting the same person over and over again, right, the, um, oh, I don't think I've got strength, and then suddenly it's like, oh, no, you have, that's better than it would have been, you know, just these things, throw in, you know, slating someone, and, oh, not realising they can hear you, or thinking you've hung up the phone, but you haven't really hung up the phone, it, you're just like, oh, what, what is this, like, what's happening, <sighs> it's, um, it's, it's very odd, it's very odd, and the film is nearly two hours, it's nearly two hours. There's a lot of it that you're just like, like, oh, we didn't need all of this. This could have been cut, right? Now, the interesting plot thread of the whole mayoral, mayoral, hmm, the mayor campaign, right? We as soon as we see a, a couple of scenes of that, you know exactly where that's going, right? And you just think, ah, you, you could have kept that uh, more of a secret, right? That could have been a little clever reveal later in the film, but we know straight away, right? Straight away, you know what's going to happen, and then not long afterwards, they just say it out loud anyway, right, which you're just like, ah, oh, man, like, yeah, could have played with that, you could have played with that plot point, and then just the whole thing is just dull, you know, the guy... He, he likes killing his henchmen, right, we have all of that, but then there's the one henchman who's not fully bad, right, it, it, it's just bad, bad jokes, bad jokes over and over and over again, oh man, it is just such a shame, such a shame, you know, obviously, there's the, you know, now they're superheroes, right? There's a there's moments when they fall out, but then they fix everything. <laughs> there's a lot of old references, like, you know, Lydia quotes from now, right? Now, that is such an old film that you're like. Is anyone going to know what the fuck you're talking about? Right? So you, you have that. I have a feeling this doesn't quite know if it wants to be a family film or a adult film. You know? Right? But, yeah, like, there's a point when um, the younger Emily and Lydia... You know, she's like, oh, what do your parents do? She's like, oh, they were um, geneticists. And Lydia's like, oh, your parents were lady doctor part doctors? And it's just like, oh, come on. 
right? Just, yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing? And I, I just think, like, one of the weirdest things is there isn't any chemistry between, like, between the younger Lydia and Emily, there's a chemistry. Between Lydia and Emily's daughter, Tracy, there's a chemistry. Between Lydia and Emily, you know, there's no chemistry. There's no chemistry whatsoever, right? You, I don't know, it, it, you, you get a sense that Octavia Spencer feels mad uncomfortable in the film. Like, super uncomfortable. You know, it, it's weird. So, you know, I think towards the end, they're standing around and it looks like they don't know what to do with themselves. It is a bizarre, bizarre situation. And, you know, they force in these musical numbers, just shoehorn them in, like, oh, they've worked in other films, let's have them in this, right? Because that's kind of what this feels, right? Putting it together, it's just like, oh, this worked in that film, this worked in that film. Oh, that worked in that film. So, yeah, so if we put it all in this, ah, oh, this will be hilarious. Unfortunately, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh once. Ah, it was such a shame. Such a shame. I kind of had the sense that it finishes in a way that if this is a huge hit, we could get sequels, right? We could get sequels, spin-offs. All of that jazz, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if it was a hit, right? I mean, if if you're a fan of, you know, McCarthy and Spencer and just everyone else, then yeah, they, I think you, you you know people possibly will enjoy it. I I just for me it just felt flat. Right, it, it, you just kind of had the sense that it could have been so much more. Now, like, not everyone is terrible, right? So Bobby Cannavale, he's always very enjoyable. So he's very good. Pom, you know, she's very good as Laser, and Melissa Leo is good as Ali. You know, her character Tracy Mosby, very good as um the daughter. You know, Tracy. But, yeah, that's... They're probably the only real highlights. But, people, look, it's on Netflix. You know? So you can go check it out. And if... Listen, if you enjoyed stuff like, you know, Hancock, then, hey, give this a go. Right? I'd say give it a go. You might very well enjoy it as well. You know? But yeah, Thunderfalls, it's on Netflix. Go enjoy yourselves. Okay, people, so we are going to end it right here. But 
that's not all people we're gonna move over to part two so follow us there for the rest of this week's reviews people you got two more good films to come you don't want to miss it people all right see you in a bit <laughs>